So, oh god, oh god. So I picked up some of these Garrett, the same. Uh, I think these are oh, called nice. the Raptor. They're like Raptor or something like that. Rap, Raptor twos. So there, oh, did I, you they get were... the Raptor twos? Hell, I don't know. I have the wrapped X's, and I don't know what the difference is. Yeah, so. I thought it might be I, the same thing. I don't know. I, I think they might be too, but anyway, so Ooh, stiff. Yes, they are. They're they are very stiff, and that makes me think they're going to be pretty durable. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, I would like your guys' opinion on this. This is going to go on my compound, obviously, <laughs> or on my compound arrow. Uh, I'm going to be running a four fletch and an XX uh, for that XXL for Turkey. Do you think I should do a straight, uh, straight clamp with like a slide offset or a right helical that is technically centered? I mean, you're going to get nearly the same outcome with a yeah, that size. You're talking so, apples to apples kind of deal. That's I always just run helical really doesn't get super effective unless you have a little bit of length because mm-hmm. it'll end up three you inch know, you, you're near, pretty much in the straight section of the clamp you know you're not yeah. utilizing a lot of the curve it's yeah very little. so I, I would i mean helical you're only going to notice if it's like a three inch or something yeah typically. yeah you know so I well I, a lot anyway. I just I picked up this this helical jig. I've been running a, a straight jig forever, uh, and I picked this heel, helical jig up in the bargain cave for like twelve bucks. So I was like, oh, I might as well mm-hmm. grab it. I guess I was looking for a left one too, but they didn't have it. And oh, another thing, I've, I've bits clamp, Matt. Yeah, yeah, it's a bits clamp. One thing I haven't you'll really have messed. Hard, with. You'll have a hard time getting veins that short to be all on the arrow to adhere properly. You can, yeah. Them being that stiff, at least I have had problems with a bits in doing that. And Mostly so, lasers, but so I'll probably end up doing straight with like a, a slide offset. Then, one thing I've never really messed with is, uh, like how far up and down, uh, the jig it actually I actually set it. Mm-hmm. I've just set it like the first major hash mark or the first bigger hash mark and just like always done that. Yeah. I've, I haven't really looked into, is there a benefit of like moving it further down? I've seen some guys that do like an offset. They'll like run one. That's like half an inch or an inch in front of the others or, uh, or, you know, if they're running three, they'll like kind of stagger them. And they say it's like the equivalent of running like a, like a four inch instead of, you know, like a, like a two inch if you're running a blazer or something like that. I guess I, I haven't I really I've, seen I've a not, difference. I've seen guys that, you know, for testing purposes have ran all three or all four at different spots and it, you know, still works. Just aesthetically, it looks a little goofy. You can run into some clearance issues. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try and fletch these after we get done recording tonight because I need to bear shaft him tomorrow so that when I leave on Friday to go down to Evans. I have arrows that will shoot. So fingers crossed. Uh, yeah. So tonight we are hanging out with our friend and colleague, uh, Rob Hummel. Uh, Rob, I appreciate you coming on, hanging out with us tonight. Yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, so you've been, you've been building arrows for people for a minute now. And, uh, now, well, I guess I just found out a couple hours ago, you have, uh, 
got a press and everything now. So, I mean, I know you've been doing it for a while, but uh, now you're uh, you're a one man shop. It sounds like tell us tell us what's going on with all that. Yeah, I mean, um, in the last uh, ten nine ten months, um, been moving forward with uh, my own solo business. Um, just kind of been adding what I can when I can kind of thing. And, uh, so like you said, just, uh, last week set up uh, my new press and already, you know, I've got a couple of bows that have already went through, got a couple more coming in. So staying busy and yeah, just kind of still doing exactly what I've been doing for the last, what, like four or five years, uh, just yeah. help, helping people figure out improved setups and giving them some quality options. Yeah, well, that's the the name of the game. What kind of what kind of press did you end up picking up? I went with an uh, Easy Green, just oh yeah, mostly yeah. from a financial standpoint. Um, yeah, sure. Self self funded, trying to you know start things up. I've I've primarily sure. used an <laughs> ultimate in the past. But uh, there really isn't a ton of uh, benefit. It's just the it's it's just the speed of being able to press different size yeah, bows, right? Exactly. That's really so, the only difference. Yeah. So being able to swap from different size bows, and I'm using it as uh, my drawboard as well. So I've got the drawboard upgrade, um, mm-hmm. yeah. and so that's where it's definitely noticeable because you need to stretch it out to draw a bow. And then bring it yep. back in if you need to make an adjustment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, that's yeah, not not have a huge a, issue. Uh, you, have you swapped out the regular crank arm for a wheel or anything yet? Not yet. That's I've only had it for a week. So oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I that's probably the exact will same be. Setup I had. But that's uh, it's fully functional, and I'm I'm putting her to use. Oh yeah, it'll it'll get you there. Yeah, oh, sure. yeah. that's the exact same setup I had. That was. When I shot a compound, it was, it was nice enough. I mean, it worked really well. The drawboard was worth its weight in gold. Yeah, it's it's I mean, nice. And with being able check. to adjust the length, then you can throw a uh, mm-hmm. uh, scale in there, do mm-hmm. draw for oh, its curves, cool. that kind of stuff real easily, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah, nice for nice. checking cam timing and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just about any pro shop I go into anymore has like it's almost always a last chance archery press. Um, most of them are the are the easy greens too. They don't even spend the money on the on the higher end ones. I mean, it takes an extra ten to fifteen seconds to switch it. You know, from a working on a forty inch target bow down to your you know triax. It's a twenty eight inch. It didn't take that yeah. much longer to to get everything squared away, but uh yeah i've always i've been pretty impressed with the lca stuff i've seen some other i've seen a lot of guys that they'll buy these apple uh the old apple presses uh Mm -hmm. from like shops that went out of business or something and then they'll they'll take it home and end up blowing up their bow because they didn't they didn't know that those presses weren't meant to uh work work on parallel limbos without a lot of modification to it and so uh if you if you see an apple one of the older apple presses uh laying around for like 20 to 50 bucks there's a reason don't don't buy it and try and press <laughs> yeah, your press your newer bow 
those are the ones that have just the the single arm in the middle that has two points that pushes their riser down. Which, yeah, if yeah. You think about it for you know fifteen seconds. You can see why that would not work for a parallel limbo. Yep, that like, would be hmm, an issue. It's gonna push this down, and then it's just gonna slip through. Okay, cool. Yeah, and it's gone. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so, Rob, what a um. I mean, I know you. I know you do bow tuning as well, but you. I mean, the majority of your time is spent uh, helping guys improve setups and build build better setups. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah, that's. I mean, up until this point, that's been probably ninety five percent of what I focus on. Um, that's the tuning is just kind of coming out of necessity of leaving uh, not being primarily at the shop that I had been with for the last handful of years and right. one wanting to work on my own stuff and two being able to uh, help people out that might not be able to tune to the extent that they need to, to see uh, the results with a better set of arrows. That's, you know, one conversation that I have with guys a lot of times is if they come to me and they're saying, you know, I'm having issues with, with my current setup, you know, I've heard, you know, if I do this or that, it'll improve things. Well, maybe, you know, yeah. it, you need to figure out what the source of that issue is. And yep. a lot of times, you know, yeah, there's improvements that can be made with the arrows, but if the bow's not set up, it don't matter what you put in it. It's, yep. it's gonna, you know, have issues and give you headaches. So that was just kind there's of a, a lot of necessity, but yeah, the, the primary focus is arrows as a complete system, you know, from the sure. ground up, covering, you know, all the different bases. And regardless of what someone is intending to do with it, helping them figure out a way to improve the potential of that setup within their comfort zone. Yeah. I'm curious to, so I create the other day I got bored and cause you know, people do this when they get bored. So I created a, uh, a flow chart on how I decide to build arrows. And, uh, I, I'm kind of curious as to hear your, uh, your questions that you, that you might ask somebody that's, that's curious about building, a building an arrow, like where you start, what direction you end up taking from that and what kind of decisions you make based on the answers that they give you from the very beginning. Because to me, uh, I guess I'll, I'll give a slight spoiler. The very first thing that I consider when I'm building an arrow is what I'm going to be hunting. Now, granted, I don't, uh, uh, it, you know, here in the Midwest, I don't see either deer or turkey and you can really shoot the same arrow at both of those. And my arrows overkill for both, but uh, you know, uh, in the last couple months considering, you know, I'm, I'm going to be going out West and I'm going to be hunting these larger, these larger animals. Uh, a lot of like my, my train of thought and like way of thinking has kind of taken a bit of a shift because the arrow that I might build for an elk or a moose or, uh, uh you know, if I'm going after, you know, larger bear, uh, that is, might be different than something I'm going to build for turkey, whitetail, etc. Yeah, I mean, typically, 
it, I guess it depends on the situation and where the person's coming from as to, you know, what questions they might have. But typically my first kind of entry question, and this is the same if, if you're on my website and you go to the Aero Builder uh, assistance form, part of that is going to be, what are you hunting? You know, and that's, it doesn't change what's beneficial, but it can change um, what the person's expectations might be. Um, so typically I'll, you know, figure out what the largest animal that they're planning to hunt is and then kind of start making some recommendations from there. And it's, they're soft recommendations because not everyone has the same comfort level at different, oh, yeah. at different Absolutely. speeds and, and so, like, where I'm perfectly comfortable down, you know, 220, 230, a lot of people really, you know, haven't messed around with something like that. And right. so they're looking to stay up in the 250s. Well, that's going to be a little different setup. And sure. so it's kind of getting a feel for, you know, where where they're at currently and, you know, what their current norm is. And then what level of insurance and how willing they are to accept change. Um, because some guys are going, yeah, I've had failures and I've, you know, I've done some research. I've heard that I want to hit this number and that number. That's what I want to do. And so they're, right. you know, going, you know, Ashby on it and going, okay, I'm, I'm going jumping in. Ashby. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm taking the dive and I'm going to, I'm going to adjust to the arrow, which is a great way of looking at it. If, if you're purely going performance driven, sure. but a lot of people need to kind of walk in, they need to wade into that pool and that's going to be your, you know, your high 400, your low 500 type setups, getting better front of center, looking at, you know, better broadhead options. And yep. seeing that initial improvement and getting that confidence back. And, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, uh, you know, boiling a frog where yep. you, you don't just <laughs> throw them into the pot. You, you slowly warm the water up. Yep. And a lot of people, that's the same thing with arrow weight. You know, if you go from a, a 400 to a 500, that's one little change. And then you get curious and you go, okay, well, what about 550? What about 600? So on. And then you find your comfort zone. You figure out where yeah. that, you know, okay, that was too heavy. I'm not comfortable at that, but this is solid. Like I'm, I'm sticking here. Right. I think people, <clears throat> a lot of people would be really surprised if they, uh, with the trajectory, if they took the time to shoot heavier arrows. And I think that's something that's, that's lost on a lot of people that they, you know, they, they assume that they won't be happy with the trajectory if they, you know, if they dip below uh, a certain speed or, or, or really a certain weight. Uh, I see yeah. a lot of guys, <clears throat> you know, not all not all uh, um, uh, weight is going to be created equal. What what I will shoot with my little T-Rex arms, uh, even at the same draw or at the same draw weight as you or Garrett that have an inch and a half two inches, two and a half inches on me, depending on, you know, which one of you guys were talking about for draw length, then, you know, that's a 
20 to 30 feet per second difference. And that, that's mm-hmm. a, I mean, that's the difference like between Garrett and I, like I shoot, I think my Darton's probably coming in at 250 ish and Garrett's, uh, Garrett's, what, what are you at Garrett? Like two high two seventies, something like that. When I had that, I was shooting 570 at like 280, I think. Okay. Yeah. 30 foot per second difference. Now mine's a little bit heavier too, but, or my, uh, uh, my arrow, but, uh, you know, if I, uh, when you're, you're 29, right? 29 inch draw. Uh, 30. Oh, uh, yeah. I think Garrett's a 29 and, and yeah, 29 and a half. 29 and a half. Okay. So you're, and what it's about 10, 10 feet per second per inch, give or take. Yeah. So, I mean, Garrett's already got 15 feet per second up on me. So, uh, you know, Rob's got 20, uh, uh, feet per second up on me and I'm, I, and, and I had to work for that. I have a, I have a, I got long arms for a, for a short guy. Uh, well, yeah, Rob, when we were down in, uh, Texas, you know, Isaac and I are both 28 inch draws and he's at least, at least two or three inches taller than I am. Yeah, uh, probably. And, and when we, I remember when we should, when we stood, uh, shoulder to shoulder and like both reached out, my, my arms were, uh, significantly longer than his were. So I've got a, I gotta, I gotta try really hard to get to 28 and, uh, <laughs> uh you guys are just over there with your 29 and a half, 30 inch draws all sitting all pretty. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, point being circle all the way back around to that. Uh, I, I've talked to a lot of a lot of guys that are in that. You know, they're shooting. They're currently shooting low four hundreds or something like that. You know, I'll, and I'll always encourage guys. You know, to try try and shoot something heavier. And one of the first questions I'll typically ask them is, you know, do you do you have any buddies that work at the pro shop that you go to or anything like that? Uh, and you know, some say yes, some say no. And my main suggestion is, uh, you know go up there, give them a $20 bill, see if you can go borrow a couple, like a couple arrows that are going to be, uh, you know, 500, 550, 600 grains and, and just go out and like go to your local range, you know, let them keep that 20 in good faith and go to your local range and just like, see what that trajectory looks like at 30, 40, 50, 60 yards, or, you know, whatever your effective range is and, and just compare the difference because I think a lot of people would be extremely surprised with, uh, uh, with the what the actual trajectory difference looks like when you when you start bumping up and weight like that past that 500 grain range. Yeah, I mean, typically you have that that initial mass adjustment, right? Um, that initial yeah. mass change for your 20, um, and then your gaps. It, it depends on you know a lot of the bow factors, but the gaps typically aren't drastically different um yeah. depending on what weight you're going to but there's a lot of different things you can do because i mean for hunting there's really no issue with with bringing that sight in closer if you have yeah. the ability and forcing those gaps to shrink up you know if you're running a multi-pin site bring it in a little closer tighten the gaps up and then you're mentally more confident um but that's like what you were saying with having guys go and grab a couple of arrows. That's the beauty of like a test pack, you know, of grabbing a you know yep. two shafts. And that's like what I have is I have that for both um, the Black Eagle shafts and the Grizzly Stick stuff. And you can pick two shafts, pick two weights, 
build them up the same aside from that and then just go play if you want to get crazy you yep. buy a handful of different broadhead or a field point weights and now two shafts just became you know four six eight different weights depending on what you grab for field points and you can play around you can get a feel for where you might be comfortable and what those changes are what all uh what all do you carry i know we've talked about it before but i can't even remember well, everything that you carry i right now. i guess the beauty of having my own setup now is i can be as selective as i want to be on what sure. i carry yeah yeah and so that's i um from a brand standpoint i carry uh black eagle and grizzly stick um yep but while I I do have access to you know full lineup, um, what's available on the website is only a couple of specific shaft options. Um, that's I have the uh, factory feather fletched outlaws for uh, the traditional guys that are wanting to maybe get some test shafts, play around, um, mm -hmm. and then I've got uh, the carnivores and rampages and both of those i have those set up uh, if you want factory fletched typically those are guys that are you know buying you know arrows from a pro shop or from cabela's or walmart or wherever that you know they're not right looking at the custom option um those are the three thousands and then all my bear shafts for the carnivores and rampages are the one thousands um and then i have the tdt's and kind of gives uh, a range of different options. I'm not a, a big fan of most of the micros um, just from just from my own experience. And that's I I like like Blaine, you like mm -hmm. like the the Valkyrie system. Yeah, it's yeah, a great I system. Too. It's a it's that's a great true. system. And honestly, if I was <laughs> going to, the <laughs> yeah, if uh, if I was going to mess around with a micro, that would be the option mm -hmm. that I would go with because of the durability. Yeah, um, it's it's the only option in my opi humble opinion. I don't. I I just don't. I agree. Well, I don't and really it's trust it's a matter else, of of surface area yeah, and leverages. Yes, that's the majority yep. of micro systems because of the diameter. You have mm -hmm. to have it's hard you to... have to have that thread, the yeah. threaded part of the head, all outside of the shaft, mm -hmm. and so if the rest of it isn't built up, like Ethics has a has a great option for it, mm -hmm. but I, I think that the Valkyrie system is is a phenomenal option if that's yeah. what you're wanting to do. I agree. Um, yep. But it that would expand <clears throat> me a little too much for my. Mm -hmm. uh, my means at the moment mm -hmm. um yeah, and so bit. without locking into to another system mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i just kind of push people towards something that's inherently a little more durable yep, um, yep. right for sure my is kind of open you up for problems too as far as yeah like, like hey i'm gonna build you this super strong arrow but you know that it's not like unless mm -hmm. you use the valkyrie system or whatever you know that it's not quite as yeah. as it could be. Yeah. And that's Definitely. where they're everything that I, I carry, mm -hmm. um, that's I have a level of trust in 
and that's why mm-hmm. I carry it. Right. Um, yeah. So that's I'm not offering the ultralight carnivores. You know, I'm not no. all offering, you know, other shaft options that are either oddball size where it's going to be difficult, you know, if you're in the middle of a yeah. hunt and you need to get some components, that that can be tough if you don't have a, a standardized size. It, yep. You know, it can be tough if, you know, you're using something that's just inherently not as durable mm-hmm. and that's... I mean, we all know durability is key. So mm-hmm. that's where I have a very select offering. And, you know, that's I, I allow guys to, um, you know, if they want to use the factory components, they can. The brass is available to build it up and, you know, create an internal footer. And then I don't have it on the website, but, you know, most of those shafts, you can find aluminum shafts to foot them then if you want. If you want oh, yeah. that, you know, so there, there's options out there to, to continue to beef them up, even if you go on the uh, lower cost end. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. So yeah. it's one of those where it, it there's enough breadth of options and, you know, depending on what you're able to spend and what, you know, value you're placing on the hunt. Because, I mean, to, let's be honest, the guy that, normal guy that's chasing whitetail is putting less value on that arrow than a guy that's dropping money to go on a guided elk hunt or go to, you know, Alaska or BC or Africa. Yeah. So huge difference. the, or just hunting elk in general. Well, yeah, you know, and so there's that, that, uh, you know, inherent, value that you're putting on on the system that can kind of dictate what direction you want to go and Mm -hmm. so even if you're you know you're just wanting to kind of dip your toes in the water you want to build something around 500 grain but still have good front of center you know okay well that's that's easy you know pick pick a set of factory fletched carnivores Put, you know, the ethics in there, put some brass in there and you got it, you know, and that's a very yep, low cost option. You know, same thing with the rampage. It's not like you have to drop a lot of money to, to have a solid setup. It's like what you guys mm-hmm. covered in the previous podcast on the uh, balling on a budget. It's, yep. yeah, there's different ways of approaching it and they have, you know, it's just different levels of in my mind insurance yeah prepared you know depending on on how critical your you know you're viewing what you're doing you're gonna have different levels that you want to hit i like that like guys like you and then um wojo like i like that you guys are starting to do like the one-stop shop type of deal where because like you know when i try to talk to guys into getting like you know build this setup like even just guys that i work with i'll be like just order all the stuff we'll put it all together it's not a big deal like there's still some apprehension because they're like well i don't want to have to order this from this place and then this from this other place i just want to do it all at once it's like can i just do it all at the same place i'm like kind of but you pay for it one way or another so yeah yeah and that's i mean with my stuff i mean i 
have you know there's the option for me to build it all to i mean if you want to go all out and bear shaft wraps custom knocks whatever and have me put it all together i do that yeah. if you want to just pick out all your components and you pick your shafts and you pick what components you want and if you want loose veins or loose feathers you can do that and then i box it up and ship it to you Mm-hmm. So depending yeah. on what level you're wanting to go to in your build process, because, I mean, like me personally, I bear shaft tune everything. Right. And so I'm doing the trim method to figure out, you know, if my desired length is proper or mm-hmm. if I need to go a little bit shorter or, you know, wh- what that means. And so I would never buy a pre-built setup unless I was basing it off of something I've already tested. Sure. You know, but a lot of guys, it's a matter of going, okay, you know, here's the setup, here's the the weight up front and, you know, recommending a test pack if they want to, you know, figure out which one is, you know, most forgiving and, and most consistent for their bow or going, Hey, this is, you know, probably going to be a touch stiff but one you know that it's going to be you know still consistent two it gives you the option of maybe playing around a little heavier in the future without having to build new shafts you know so it it just depends on on the situation and you know what somebody's wanting out of it i would uh the, the majority of the time that you know i I try if if I'm helping someone try and build a, a new setup. Uh, I think all of us here always err on the side of a little stiff. That's what she said, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's just it's way a, a slightly stiff arrow is just so much easier to tune than one that's going to be weak, uh, and it gives you so much more flexibility in the future that you otherwise would have to spend another. 100 to 150 bucks to to get another dozen arrows to uh to build it all again and then just hope that it works that time yeah you just have Uh, to start over that's just yep and for guys that you know usually they're already pretty price conscious yeah yeah just they're just like well i you know i try to always just be like hey like just buy too stiff i can tune too stiff quote unquote too stiff i I can't tune too weak Yeah. yeah not very well well, and that's yep. the the deceiving part is that a lot of times if you're, you know, on the edge or a little bit weak, a lot of times it'll look fine with a field point. It'll look yeah. fine yep. when you do your, you know, if you're just doing like, you know, a uh, walk back tune or, or whatever, you know, it'll still be fairly consistent. It'll still appear to be recovering well until you put a broadhead on there and now you start seeing the inconsistency because you've got that surface area up front and that can be the 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 breaking point for a lot of guys that go about this the wrong way where you know they think they covered the bases they think that you know well i was told that you know higher front of center i was told this and told that and they missed that critical flight part and yep. now it puts a bad two. taste in their mouth, you know, because they yeah. did all this work, they spent this money, and now it's not flying right. It's like, well, it's, right. <laughs> there, there's ways of fixing it. I mean, you can drop your poundage. You can do different things. 
but now you've got to, you know, fit what you built. <laughs> so it's if you, uh, you know, take the time up front or just like you said, err on, you know, if if you're walking yeah. that line, err on the stiff side. It's not, you know, you're going to lose a little bit of front of center from the shaft weight, but you got to remember the, the level of importance on, on things. And that's as much as I'm a huge proponent of front of center, you don't want to, there's two big things that guys seem to get hung up on and overlook when they're, when they're looking at front of center and that's durability and, and the flight. Cause mm-hmm. I've, I don't know how many guys I've seen that, you know, go, well, why, why don't you have the ultralight shafts? I could get, you know, how much more front of center using that ultralight shaft. Yep. Well, yeah, you would, but you're sacrificing your durability and mm-hmm. that front of center isn't going to do anything for you if it breaks on impact. Yeah. And you know, so there's there's pros well, and cons, and you you need to make sure you're walking the right side of that line. Yeah, and the more the more front of center you have, even if you have perfect flight, the more front of center you have, the more durable your carbon has to be, or it can't it can't hold up to one the mass that you're shooting, uh, and and those those components on the front end, or, or how the how the components made up with the carbon can cause undue stress in in odd spots but then that front of center creates that shorter front lever arm and creates more tension on the front of that carbon and if your carbon isn't up to snuff it's not gonna it's not gonna work out for you uh and i know that's you know in the ball and on a budget all of us i'm pretty sure all of us ended up selecting uh black eagle and i know there's been some guys online that swear up and down there uh, they're brittle and fragile as hell. And there's probably, I mean, there's, I have seen, uh, a model or two, granted they've both been micros that have been a little less than impressed with, but I've literally never had a black Eagle arrow break on me that I haven't like been hitting the knock end of it to break it. I've, yeah. I've never had one actually break either on the front or on a sidewall, not once. And I've built, like I said, probably close to 10 dozen black Eagle arrows for myself and friends at this point. Well, and I mean, part of that is, I mean, a lot of guys don't flex test their shafts. Yep. And it's like, I I shoot a a decent amount of 3D. And if you're shooting with a group of two or three guys that are decent shots, you're going to have arrows slapping. You're going to have arrows hitting each other. And you need to be checking them. them. You know, and that's even if yep. even if you're just shooting by yourself, and you know you're you're shooting groups, which I tend not to do, um, just because I I don't want to keep rebuilding. Because um, even not saying I'm Robin Hooding everything, I'm not. Um, but when you're hitting arrows, they're not designed for that. Right. I mean, that's it, a, it's yeah. It's that's a, a that's a, a load on that on that carbon that's not made. Yeah, not made for it. Yeah, and so a lot of times it's not visible. You know, the shaft looks fine. And, yep. I mean, I had, I think this was two years ago, I was shooting with a, a random guy that just didn't have anyone to shoot with. And I shot, I hit his arrow, and I was uh, pulling arrows out. 
I pulled mine out, I flexed it, I put it in my quiver, I pulled his out for him, and I flexed it, and it snapped in half. And mm. he got so bent out of shape thinking that I just broke his arrow. And I'm like, it was already broke. Like, yeah, I, I like, broke well, it on my shot. Like, well, I, but, I did when I shot. <laughs> yeah, when I, I shot. It, but... <laughs> but me flexing it just now probably just saved you a yeah. trip to the ER. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah so, I know, just saved your arm, saved your arm, but, arm, but yeah. you know, get him out of whatever. So many people don't think about that part, and so then they don't see an issue, but then the next shot, it, it hits at a funny angle, it flexes, and it breaks on that weak point now. And not saying that you know that's the case with what's been going on online, but in a lot of situations, it's something along that line. Um, yep. And outside of that, I mean, if you're looking at, like say, like a a 300 spine shaft i don't care what brand it is if you're looking at something that's like a 300 and it's not you know over eight and a half grains per inch you know somewhere in that ballpark it's gonna be too brutal you want to you want to at least question it yeah and you know that's where like all these ultralight shafts are most of them are down in the you know low sevens sixes and oh, what's happening is you've got a much stiffer carbon with that's allowing for a thinner wall while achieving that, that desired stiffness. It's brittle. It's no different than metal or anything else. The more brittle something gets, the stiffer it is, but it can't handle impacts as well. There's no flex. There's no, you know, forgiveness in it. Right. Well, in most of these ultralight carbon manuf- the or the manu- when the manufacturer makes these ultralight arrows, whether it's you know a particular uh, m- uh, you know version of an existing model or if it's uh, there's been a couple of carbon companies like the one that uh, it might be high high country archery. <laughs> I think that do they do they make their own arrows for their bows? Is that what they do? Oh, I, I forget uh, who well, is making the arrows, but yeah, but it, but they make these like crazy crazy light arrows because they because they say their bows are good down to three grains per pound or just yeah, something stupid. They advocate advocate for like three to four grains per pound, and right, I mean which they were getting some terrifying. ridiculous speeds out of them. But it's, <laughs> at least from my experience, one, that's a lot of stress on the bow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as as long as a bow is staying above like 75 to, you know, well, probably 70, 75% efficient, you're not doing a lot of damage. Sure. Um, and so that's how you can, you know, they can get away with it is they know it, it's still above whatever their you know right. threshold is. And ju- just for clarity, when you say 70, 75% efficient, you mean the amount of kinetic energy that it puts out with a particular weight versus the total amount of kinetic energy that's available under the draw force curve? Yeah. So uh, if you look at a force curve, that's your potential energy. It, that's your PE. Yeah. Um, right. And so that's what you're inputting into the bow and is being stored. Um, right. And then if you look at the, like, uh, a launch velocity of a specific arrow, um, that is going to give you your kinetic energy, which is what is being transferred from the bow to the shaft. And right. the difference between the two gives you your efficiency. 
Uh, so the, the higher efficiency, the more that's transferred to the arrow and the less that's left in the bow, um, which lead, you know, a, as your efficiency goes up, you get less hand shock, less vibe, less noise, right? You know, all of that because any leftover energy starts as vibration. And if there's enough vibration, that leads to noise. And so that's where, you know, as you go up in arrow weight, you tend to notice those changes. Yeah. And that's, I know that like those, those carbon manufacturers that make those crazy, crazy light arrows, they, like if you if you were to get a 300 spine in that or if even if they made one uh stiffer i kind of doubt they do to be That's, honest most of those light they're, ones they're playing out at three yeah they're because they're playing the the weight game at that point uh you know if you if you were to get that and stack stack weight on the front of it it's it's going to be a bad day for you uh, uh i mean yes this the spine stiffness rating says that it it can handle you know x amount of weight on the front based on your uh, your particular setup. But uh, man, the second you you have a, a hard impact, I guarantee that carbon is gonna snap like a twig. It's just not gonna work out. Yeah, that's. I mean, dynamically, they work out fine. I mean, that's like when I was doing more competitive shoots, I I ran. A bunch of different ultralight shafts and it's i was right you know from a competitive aspect i want everything to be as tight as possible for you know point forgiveness because yep you know hunting you're looking at kill competitive you're looking at points and so yep. at least in my mind that that's the the difference is you know if if i'm off a, a couple of yards five yards whatever and in a hunting situation, if I hit an inch low, where I'm aiming, that's still a dead animal. If I do that competitively, well, that's now a 10 or maybe that's an 8. And yeah. there goes around, you know. So that's where, like, for that, I was playing with a lot of those ultralights. And they fly great. But, I mean, if... Uh, I mean, I, I was always checking them, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it was one of those where I wasn't surprised if I, you know, broke one. That was just part of it. Yeah, I shot light speeds and flat lines forever, and for being, you know, the super light carbon, I didn't really have too many of them break, which was surprising. Well, that's a lot of it depends on what kind of impacts you're having, because like straight line impacts most stuff is going to handle fine right um well i mean when you like, start getting guess, angular yeah most, yeah, most of the ones i like all, i always shot those for 3d and i had very little issue and then i shot i think i shot the full bores for a season those things are terrible they like, are. I've they're seen great so many for cutting lines but you're, i went through two dozen of them in a 3d season yeah, mm-hmm. are those a are those a big diameter? Or? They're yeah. like a twenty three. Yeah, they're those mm-hmm. the full bores are twenty seven. Are they? Yeah, that's, okay. I, I oh, ran yeah, a yeah. set yeah. of uh, the victory twenty threes, and yep. uh, that was the HVs the high, or whatever the heck. Yeah, yep, the high velocity twenty threes, which is mm-hmm. a twenty three shaft that is super light. 
I yeah. mean, I aren't I, they like six upper sixes on a three hundred? Uh, Low I sevens. It, mm, not maybe they're more. It was I was. It was a couple of years ago. I want to say it was low to mid sixes, but I know yeah, I that say. I and that was I was only shooting a seventy pound bow at the time, and I had to trim those enough to be able to get a one. I want to say a one fifty grain point on them in mm-hmm. order to to be over three fifty total. Wow! <laughs> so I I was running like a three fifty six grain shaft for competitive. And mm-hmm. Which is yeah. pretty, pretty typical. With, with that large of a shaft, that was a very thin wall. Yeah. yeah. They shot nice. But Right. Yeah, so that's... what would you consider what would you consider a light for uh 3D? What would you consider light a, for 3D? Too light of an arrow. Yeah. Too light of an arrow. That's 3D is is competitive in my in my mind. Um Yeah. Because that's, I mean, I when, guess, I, when I talk about 3D, I guess... I guess what I'm I trying guess, to say... Oh, go ahead. Is uh, how, how, how light of a grain per inch would you go, you know, you're going to give up some durability. How, how, what kind of balance would you want for 3D? I, I'm just asking For, for 3D, kind of I, like. I mean, if, if you're chasing light, you know, for the pure intent of competitiveness then mm-hmm. it's a matter of your uh i guess how deep your wallet is because yeah okay if right. if you're wanting to to float that five grain per pound line to mm-hmm. you know maximize and it depends on what class you're in as to whether or not you can do that depending on if there's speed regs right. or not um but if if that's what you're wanting to do just to get that edge on you know line cutting then go for it um Mm -hmm. but be aware that you might end up building a a couple sets of arrows over the course of a you know a season um right and it just you know depends on you know the target makeup and you know Mm -hmm. sometimes remands can be a little harder than uh they're supposed to be yeah (laughs) yep so smoke that plastic tube in there or something if you mess up so i mean that's you know it's it's the complete flip side of of hunting in my mind Mm -hmm. but it it still relates to well if i mean if we're talking competitive then here's your set of rules and Mm -hmm maximize your advantage right you know that's and you can take that as far as you can right um for me i guess coming from a trad standpoint i actually like to keep my arrows a little bit on the heavy side and that's because i'm a gap shooter and i don't like a four foot gap at 20 yards you know even though i'll be shooting like uh, 36 to 38 pounds. I think I'm going to keep my arrow around 450 grains this year because I just like that. Well, yeah, that, that that's little... finding a trajectory that, that you are confident in, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, and that's exactly. for, for yeah. you shooting gap, mm-hmm. you know, you know, what type of trajectory gives you the, the arc and the gaps yep. that you like and are comfortable in and that you have good right. reference points 
points for because yep. sometimes different gaps will will not come naturally. Yes, that's what I yeah, exactly. And so finding that that natural, you know, I guess the feel of mm-hmm. that trajectory is is yeah. part of that for you know shooting a gap setup like that like my right. my traditional stuff i shoot instinctive mm-hmm. and so it's i run hunting weight i don't mess with it yeah. i'm and i'm see, running I do too, one weight year round anytime yep. that i bring any of my trad stuff out because yep. i know that trajectory I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, it's all muscle memory for me. It's not, yeah. I'm not referencing my tip. I'm not referencing, you know, I'm not, you know, uh, crawling. Yep. And so why mess with the muscle memory? It, you know, that, that wouldn't make sense, at least for me. I just got done building my 3D arrows for the year and I just built some outlaws cause they're cheap. Um, but they're still heavier than what most guys will take into the woods for whitetail. Yeah. They yeah. came out at like 440 grains, I think, but I'll still be at like 310 feet per second. I think with that realm X. Yeah. That's my, my 3D setup why. this year is a set of carnivores. Those are hundred grain tip, uh, 500 grains. So light for me. Yeah. yeah, it's all. Are you running a are Are you running a three hundred on that, or do you have to do two fifty? Two fifty. Yeah. Yeah. That's, with your, that two fifty. Um, actually, it it surprised me because on a lot of shafts that I played with in the past, I was not able, even with shortening the shafts up, um, I was not able to run like a a two hundred grain head. Um, with like a 75 or 100 grain insert system um, on a mm-hmm. 250. And and that's partially because I prefer to be a tad stiff on my uh, bear shaft. Um, but that's this set I uh, intentionally set up for 100 grain. Uh, I got the Ethics two-piece 100 grain outsert system on there, the, the new 245 system that they got. And just for giggles, I started walking up my point weight, and they're a touch weak uh, with 200 grains. Yeah. Um, but that's trimmed down pretty much as far as I can. I got like an eighth inch from the uh, launcher to the out the sleeve. Hmm. So I can't really go any shorter than that. But uh, no. I was more or less just playing around going, hmm, I, I wonder if I, I could actually get this to work. So if I really wanted, then I could have a 600 grain setup. Mm-hmm. Just destroy everyone else's arrows. <laughs> like that, that's the entire entire game is to let everyone else shoot first, and then you just keep breaking their arrows until they get so mad they walk off the course. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a couple of my buddies and I will do that. It's it's always a game of who can who can break each other's stuff. Oh man, yeah, that's that's. A... I've been, been talking to my buddies about that too. That I'm shooting that Romex so well that I feel sorry for all my friends if they get it in twelve ring or whatever. It's like, well, 
I'm cheating here. So. I'm, I'm aiming at that bright spot now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't a lot of guys they they'll they'll make their 3D arrows like really dark so guys can't see it as easily. Or yeah, something. I mean, a- asshole. I arrows. used to, and then I started losing them all. I'm gonna fletch mine yellow like I always do. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I went blackout for a year, but I lost like a dozen arrows, so I gave up on that idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need to. Uh, I need to step my 3D game up. Remember that range I was telling you guys about? Uh, mm-hmm. It just opened up by my house. Okay. So they the range just opened up, <clears throat> and uh, not uh, so in there. I want to say they're monthly for the is like 60 bucks. Like it's not, it's not that much. So they just moved shops. So now they have the 3d range where it has a lower level and it has a top level where it's almost, it's elevated. You're probably 15 feet up or so. Mm-hmm. So it, it creates some semi-realistic tree stand scenarios and they're going to add like in the field behind the shop, they're going to do another 3d course out there. So nice. I need to I need to get in on that uh, 60, 60 bucks or whatever it is before they change their mind and figure out that's way too cheap. Right. Hmm. I have a I know. Group question. I don't remember oh, if okay. well it, it's back to arrows, but I don't remember if anybody <laughs> remembers. And I'm trying to figure out if I'm crazy. Did Black Eagle ever have a 250 deep impact? I don't, uh, I don't know. So. I don't think so. No, I don't think they no. did. Okay, I, I could have three hundred. I could have sworn that they did, and then I went looking for them, and I could not find them. So I was no. trying to figure out if I was just a crazy person or not. I wish they did. Yeah, you might have to. Black, Black to Eagle, if you're listening, uh, start making the deep impact in a two fifty, please. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I, that's actually what I'm shooting right now with the Valkyrie system. Uh oh. Oh. Blaine, did you mute yourself? Blaine muted himself. Oh, God. Dang it, I did. <laughs> I was, say, hey, that was like we were, half a minute of it. It was. We were, you, were, you were going, man. I was Blabbing like, okay, away. like eventually my audio is going to catch up and we'll be able to hear Blaine, and then, then it never <laughs> happened. So. Dang it, stupid. <laughs> that was funny. What were you, yeah, what were you saying? That no, I was going to say that's, that's, that's what I'm running is the uh, deep impacts. I wish they would make a 250 because I could probably run Maybe even a little bit more weight. Ah, actually, I why, need that why would you run you your heaviest bows like fifty two pounds? Why do you need a two fifty spine arrow? A lot of point weight, man. I guess. No, no but I would uh, more for you guys. Honestly, Sounds like you need to start I, uh, trimming your arrows, Blaine. You know that's yeah, a possibility, yeah. right? No, no, <laughs> you I don't have to shoot them all full length. More for you guys, but uh, that would be helpful. I I am liking these deep impacts with uh, the Valkyrie system up front. I just started playing with them and it's super beefy setup for a micro. Yeah. You know, they're, what are they? On a, f- trying to see. I think they never print the, uh, the grains per inch on these things. Oh, the GPI. They're pretty yeah. heavy though. But they're, they're, yeah, yeah I want to say they're almost like a grain per inch heavier than the X impacts. Oh yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, I want to say the three fifties are, nine grains per inch eight point tech gun uh, upper upper eights yeah, for sure upper good. eight yeah 8. I, I shot 9, the 8.7. i shot the carbon injections forever and i guess they do so have I, like a 260 now or something so i yep, might I try those that. again but they were good i only i only snapped a couple actually they were pretty solid i never I broke one a couple that oh, the only reason i did was because i skipped it off my bail at like 130 
mm. and hit a <laughs> hit a board on the top of my yeah. I, four by I four never bail. broke one, and I'd never had a footer or anything on any of them. Same here. Mm. They were tough. Jeez. So Rob, you're kind of in the same boat as me as the well. I mean, well, Garrett's got a trad bow too, but me and you were kind of split down the middle between the trad and compounders thing going on. <laughs> yeah, well, that's I like the, uh, best the only thing playing. that's really ke- keeping me in compound land is uh, the fact that I I bought an RX three at the beginning. <laughs> well, when, when it was released, um, yeah, because that's I, I really liked my RX one. And that's, I mean, I, I know that some guys had some issues with them, but I run quite heavy arrows. And uh, so the, <laughs> yes, the, the noise vibration that a lot of guys didn't like wasn't really an issue for me. Um, you mean, you mean yeah. shooting a 950 grain arrow <laughs> at quiets down a bow? It's a little bit. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I was still, I was still fine about 235. So Jesus. Uh, really? that, that's, that's plenty fast for me. They do get rather efficient there at the top, huh? Yeah, well, yes, that's, dude. The, what was what what was your top end jump? You went from like uh, eight fifty to nine fifty or something like that. What what is that? I stat? had two arrows last year with my RX one. Um, it's well same same shaft, but uh, with my two hundred grain heads, I was at eight fifty. My three fifteen grain heads, I was at nine sixty five. And there was a uh, depending on the chrono that I used, there was a like five to seven foot per second difference between the two. How's that so, a thing? Uh, <laughs> it's it, ridiculous. Uh, I, I can't get over it. I verified it with a handful of different chronos because th- when I when I first checked it, I was like, "What? Like, <laughs> I'm dreaming." I think, <laughs> and that, that should be close to like twenty to like twenty five feet per second difference, right? Like no, that's what you typically. I mean it. It all depends on a lot of it depends on your grains per pound. Um, sure, sure. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, it, I, I'm sorry. I, I meant just for like a typical, like for your typical guy that's shooting, and and yeah, you definitely have to understand that there's a big difference between going from 500 to 600. Yeah, and exactly. 850 to 950 for sure. But like, I'm pretty sure that like if any of us, Garrett, well, I guess Garrett myself, because Blaine doesn't shoot compound anymore. But if we shot from a 550 to a 650 grain arrow. That's probably a at least twenty feet per second difference. Uh, I'm going to see if I can when you when you start getting that heavy. Quick. That's just crazy, crazy. So I suppose it starts gaining efficiency. You know, is that what you're seeing? Yeah, yeah. So it's just um, it's maintaining. And this speed. is where your online calculators get all goofed up. Is mm-hmm. your, your online calculators are looking at a static speed loss for every grain added, mm-hmm. which yep. is typically they're they're looking at uh three grains per foot per second um Mm -hmm. and that's fairly accurate when you're down around ibo um Mm -hmm. as you start getting up into the mid 400s close to 500 that isn't as accurate um most bows and, and this will all depend on what your draw length is what your you know your poundage is but for most of your average hunters, you'll typically start looking into uh, like the four grain per foot per second as you start approaching 500. Um, once you get up into the six, you know, upper sixes, you might be looking at, you know, 
five, six, seven. It depends on the bow. Because one one thing that when we're talking bow efficiency, you only there you can only get so efficient, right? Because yeah, there, right. there's inherent there losses in the bow, and so you can't you know reach a hundred percent. And so if you've got a bow that is inherently very efficient at IBO, you're not going to see drastic gains. So mm-hmm. your bows that are super quiet are super vibration free with a five grain per pound arrow. Either they have a lot of dampening, you know, like added yeah. on dampeners in the riser or whatnot. Um, or they're or or they're very efficient, um, and so that's where you could have two bows that are, you know, both say rated at three hundred forty feet per second, and you walk those up to a six hundred fifty grain arrow. One of them might be ten feet per second faster than the other one now, even yep. though they were they were originally identical. And that has to do with the one that's, you know, now performing better is showing that it was less efficient at IBO. So it was achieving mm-hmm. the same speed without transferring as much energy. And so that's like the, probably the greatest example is that is uh, your lever bows. You're like your Oneida Eagles. Yep. It's, you know, Crazy not, not a fast bow. Once you get heavier. Yeah, not a fast bow, but they gain a ton as you yep. uh, climb up. Yep. Do you see that? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's like a Oneida Muzzy uh, mashup or, you know, collaboration, I guess I should say. They're coming out with a new, a new lever bow for like, 399 bucks mm-hmm. like really really cheap yeah okay, uh, i think it's i think i think it's only available in like either 40 or well it's either i think it's 30 to 40 or 40 to 50 pounds i'm uh, both concerned both and i'm both concerned and intrigued <laughs> yeah oh it's a it's a full it's a full bow fishing setup yeah i, I, figured. Uh, I think That'd my buddy sweet. yeah my buddy dustin posted i'm pretty sure he's he's pro staff for uh uh uh, for mo- for 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 muzzy yeah <laughs> bro staff that's right uh yeah it's called the muzzy lvx uh and it has it's like fully fully decked out uh yeah it's a i like my bow fishing draw weight from 25 to 50 pounds draw length 25 to 29 so sorry rob uh eight inch brace height uh 60 percent let off and I'm like I said, I'm pretty sure uh, $399 or $499 fully equipped, and that's with uh, rest, reel, like it looks like everything. Granted, I don't know, I don't I don't do a ton of bow fishing, but it looks pretty sweet. Five hundred bucks. I'm I'm definitely yeah. interested in at well, least getting one just to mess around with a lever bow. Th- that's their response to RPM. Because what uh, happened there? Yeah. Well, R- RPM came out with essentially a black eagle that uh, is being, I guess, it doesn't have the fit and finish. Uh, Uh. Still very good bows. And bow fishing, you're going to abuse your equipment. 
It's going to get wet. So, yeah. It's going to get beat up. It doesn't matter. And so a lot of guys, you know, especially guys that are like guiding, that are, you know, providing bows to customers, they don't want to drop $1,000, you know, for an Osprey. You know, they might yeah. personally, but, you know, a four or $500 bow that has very similar performance is very appealing. Yeah. And so this this will fill that gap for for mm-hmm. Oneida. Um, back to the efficiency, though, that's I was trying to pull up this chart. So that's Matt, I know that you've seen this before, the test that I did with my wife's bow a handful of years ago. Yep. Um, so on your question of, you know, like a 100 grain jump at, at that range. So like this was a 42 pound elite spirit at 26 inches. And from 825 to a 940 grain arrow, we lost nine feet per second. Jeez. So that went from 155 to 146. But that's... Yeah, at, that, at that point, it's like, why not? Why not? Well, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's not, um, at least for what she's hunting, it's not applicable. Right? Sure, right. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's outside of her comfort realm. Right. But, that's, I mean, she, she's still comfortable. You're talking long speeds now. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, honestly, for me, it's funny because I'm comfortable around 150 with, with a, a longbow. Mm-hmm. With a compound and a sight, I... This doesn't feel right. It, it doesn't work. No, it <laughs> doesn't. I, I, I broke under 200 feet per second last year. And Your pins. It was it was rough. So messed up. Like two twenty, I'm still comfortable at, but and that was that wasn't intentional. That was, um, I was running my my old backup bow, and I didn't feel like building a, a new set of arrows, and so I went from an eighty pound bow to a sixty five pound bow that was six years old, and I was still running my eight fifty grain arrow. And a uh, little, little bit of a speed difference there, but <laughs> yeah, I remember shooting that bow. All right, well, at least I no, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure I shot yeah, that bow. That was the one that there. I had down in Texas. Yeah, and uh, remember when you handed it to me? You you, you said uh, you ever shot a bow with uh, with recoil? <laughs> I said no, <laughs> <laughs> and I shot it, and sure as hell, it pushed back into my hand when I shot. It's like, well, that was weird. Let's do it again. And, uh, <laughs> See. <laughs> See, I I felt kind of that I had that Bowtech insanity, and I think at that time I honestly I hadn't even played with a heavy arrow in my life before that, and I I just happened to throw together like a seven hundred and ten grain arrow, mm-hmm. and never even really thought about it being better or worse or whatever at that time. That was a while ago, but um, and that thing, it's it's weird when you get into some bows they just feel so much better on the shot that well every bow does it seems like but some of them just uh, maybe it's the efficiency i don't know they, yeah. they just love a heavy arrow and that's i mean and they feel cam, I don't know, cam design different. has a lot to do with yeah, that. yeah. And that's a lot of it comes back to that that you know inherent efficiency at ibo mm-hmm. as far as the the feel on the shot right yeah because bows that are less efficient at IBO tend to 
uh, be rougher. You know, yeah. they're, they're yeah, louder. Sure. Yep. They they have more uh, hand shock. It's just a, it's mm-hmm. a more violent launch, yep. right? And it's I guess I have no data to prove this, but I am a fairly firm believer that that violent launch can lead to a lot of consistency issues with, sure. with people uh, and yeah. can yeah. can feed into some of the target panic issues that people have and mm-hmm. so it, it's funny because i don't know how many guys that i've dealt with that you know had had issues with um not so much shot placement but you know having you know in the heat of the moment having a shot that you know landed a bit far forward and caught you know femur or caught shoulder and you know having that lack of penetration there and they they move up to a heavier setup uh trying to uh you know negate some of that and and have a if that happens have a better result but in the process of increasing their their arrow weight everything calms down the shot sequence gets smoother it's cleaner and they end up being more consistent you know in the heat of the moment and so now you you're prepared for that plan b for that worst case but in a lot of cases they end up not needing it you know it's there it's there as that insurance it's that confidence factor in the back of your head where you're not worrying about it as much but it's just one of those odd kind of circular things Mm kind of same in the same realm like i don't have any data to back this up but i kind of have if you've ever if you have ever watched a high-speed video of a of a bow being shot Especially, well, compounds and recurves both, or trad bows, but uh, even on compound recurves, it's really, really obvious. But on compounds, even when those cams, uh, uh, you know, cam back over and come back to rest, those limbs are moving like crazy. Oh, yeah. And and that's especially prevalent when it's really light. And I would assume, when the arrow is lighter, uh, and I would assume that you're going to have a bit of inconsistency uh, uh, in comparison to something that's going to be a heavier arrow, uh, um, and, and your accuracy might suffer. Well, once again, no, no data to back this up, but, uh, you know, there's, when you stress that bow that much, I, I, I can't imagine that it's going to react the same way every time where if you, if you slow things down, if you slow the, you slow the cam roll back, uh, you, know, you know, the cam rolling back over down, and you you don't make that uh, uh, that adjustment on the limb so violent. I would I would have to assume that it's gonna it's gonna get better if you're uh, uh, obviously you have to be as accurate. Uh, but if you're comparing two of them, I one I would I would assume that it's probably gonna do better with a heavier arrow, all things considered. Yeah, and that's there's there's a couple of of factors in that because the faster the arrow is launching the less time it's on the string and so the right. less time that it can be affected by that bow movement sure that so makes sense. Th- there's there's an initial um i guess decrease in in uh i guess increase in forgiveness right as 
as things calm down and that speed is still up there. And right. at least from what I've seen personally, um, there's a fairly wide range where that that's at play um, as you start moving up in weight. Um, one thing or, that I noticed. Yep. Go on. Uh, I was well. I was going to say like uh, uh, Doctor Ashby talks about how he had his uh, his hand deformity and how he why how and why he started shooting uh, heavier slower limbs so that if his if his form wasn't 100% on it would give time for those limbs to bring that string back to center so that the arrow is releasing as centered as possible versus if it was a a lighter limb that was more aggressive that string once it once it gets back to to rest per se it's it, it didn't travel uh, uh, in a linear line. Well, it traveled in a more linear line, I should say, and and wasn't brought back to center. Uh, so maybe I mean yeah, and that's that could have part of that is is center shot on on you know longbows and stuff because it, it, the the more natural flex you have occurring. So like on my longbow, there's no shelf. I've mm-hmm. I've got a peg. Right. And right. so that bow, that arrow is literally flexing all the way around, around the, the riser. riser. Yeah. And so the more flex you have, there there's definitely a range in which it adds forgiveness on some of that bow movement because if that shaft is already flexing, now some of that movement can be absorbed. And that's where like uh you know we were talking earlier about going a little bit stiff that's not an issue but like if you go super stiff like think rebar right right yeah now it's not forgiving because there is no shaft flex there is there's little shaft movement to hide and uh mitigate your own movement and so that's where it's going where it's pointed (laughs) <laughs> you know, because there's no there's no flex there to to mess with it. Um, but there's definitely a, a wide range, you know, depending on the setup. Um, but what I was just going to mention before was as as you go up in weight, you you kind of see that forgiveness. But once you get past a certain point, and it it'll depend on your own form consistency right you can see it kind of start falling apart once you get below a certain speed because if your form is inconsistent well you're increasing the time that the arrow's on the the string string, and so now there's more time for you to affect it and so guys that have really consistent form don't necessarily see that they Mm -hmm. continue continue to see the improvements and and that's part of you know, figuring out where that comfort zone is for you. And I mean, the only way to, to know it is to try it, you know, to yeah. play around with different weights and see what, you know, kind of hits home for you and gives you, you know, the sense of confidence and level of insurance that you're looking for while still being comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now me and or yeah, me and Isaac were uh, kind of playing around with this theory of making an arrow 
I don't know if he told you about that. An arrow so stiff that it has no flex. And <laughs> uh, see what that does. And it'll fly. Because you know, in theory, what's that? It'll fly. It'll fly. I I can get it so I can get it so close. What I did is, what did I do? I took a standard diameter arrow. Yeah. And put a micro micro inside. in it. Yep. yep. Double shaft it. Yep, double shafted it, and then let's see. I ran the biggest feather I could on the back, four fletch, five inch, and a eighty grain point <laughs> with twelve grain insert, and uh, I can get it to shoot pretty decent. And I don't know if he told you about that, but it's, we, um, we've discussed it before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, what do you think about that? I mean, the theory is, you know, if well, it's not flexing, it's not. Yeah. So it's, you know, it, it's a matter of altering the efficiencies. So yeah, if you look at the 12 factors, right? Yeah. The majority of the 12 factors are all efficiency related. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and that's even durability in right. reality is an efficiency thing Mm -hmm. because if if that shaft breaks or it bends the head bends you're drastically Mm -hmm. changing and decreasing the efficiency of the shaft and right so that that's the major factor for foc is it's an efficiency change you're Mm -hmm. changing how that arrow recovers and so you can you know gain some efficiency there and then you're changing how it flexes that impact which changes the level of resistance the shaft encounters. So the the theory, and this is something that Dorge talks about, um, mm-hmm. and that's a big thing that he focuses on is uh, reducing the you know dynamic reaction of a shaft through right. uh, internal footers, through you know double shafting, through those kind of methods. Yep. Mm-hmm. And controlling that flex instead of, and that's, he looks at that instead of FOC. Um, mm-hmm. And while looking purely at impact, I think that there's some merit there because right. the, the major change at impact is when that head hits the target. Mm-hmm. You're having an abrupt change in resistance, and right. the weight of the tail is trying to continue moving at the same speed because it hasn't encountered that resistance, and yep. that causes the shaft flex. Shaft flex then creates additional pressure on you know the, the sides of the medium that you're trying to penetrate, mm-hmm. and decreases overall penetration. It, it you know reduces the efficiency. So Mm -hmm. regardless of the method, if you can reduce that flex, you're going to see, I'll say, similar results, right? The question mark is the flight aspect. Yep. And that's 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 where where you're going to run into some problems. Yep. And that's where, like like you said, like you um, were running excessive uh control on the rear mm-hmm. with the large yep. feathers 
four Which of I had them. had to do. Yeah, to get it yep. to fly, right? Mm-hmm. And Anything less, it will not fly even halfway decent. Yeah. And that's especially <clears throat> if you're shooting that out of a traditional bow. Traditional Which, bows, yep. unless you're looking at something that's cut past center, you mm-hmm. need flex. Yes. And if you don't have and, that flex, <clears throat> it's going to cause flight problems. Yep. And that's where I found issues was um, it took it takes your form has to be absolutely yeah perfect every time well, and that's what i was mentioning Otherwise, before I, yeah the, the less flex that a shaft has and this is for any bow the, it's, the less it's ex- go ahead can i it's extremely unforgiving yeah it's it's so unforgiving it's not even funny which is why i kind of put it on the shelf yeah and that's it's a it's a functionality it's a practicality thing mm-hmm. right and that's for compounds it's a little different because you're looking at you know uh, linear knock travel, center shot bows, they're designed to operate with no flex. Yeah. And so that's, you know, you can make that work a lot easier, but mm-hmm. the level of tuning goes up as the stiffness goes up. So the, yep. the stiffer that the dynamic reaction of that shaft is, how it's actually moving at launch, the the more that you have to fine tune to yep. to get more it picky. consistent, and, be... and your form's got to be there to to complement it. Yep. Yeah. You. Uh, yeah, that would make sense. If I mean, you know, the the less flex something has, the the less forgiving it's going to be right off the bat. So you don't have the form for it and it's not going to work out. But I mean, it, it certainly can be done because like I've mentioned before, I've shot, uh, I've shot my, uh, and I'm, I mean, I'm a decent archer, I guess, but I'm nothing special, but I've shot my 240 spine TDT out of my wife's bow and it flew fine. Uh, I mean, granted, I know hers is tuned correctly. Uh, actually she's shooting 400 TDTs, but, uh, you know, I've shot arrows that are way too stiff for that bow. Uh, and, you know, if you shot it through paper, it, it probably wouldn't end up being perfect, but uh, probably a little knock high, I think, for stiff. Uh, but it... Uh, knock low. Uh, it Knock low, okay. Uh, but it... Uh, man, I tell you what, I mean, I shot a bear shaft out of it, out to 20 yards, and I didn't I didn't have any issues. So yeah, it, can, and it can certainly be done. Yeah, and that's... I mean, I've, I've shot a 250 spine out of my wife's bow before, just to prove that point that yeah yep it gets finicky but it can be done you know yeah. and it's a matter of <clears throat> i mean like when we bear shaft right it's not that you can't go stiffer it's you're looking at where that sweet spot is yep where if if that bear shaft is coming out clean it's coming out in line it's straight then that is peak efficiency, essentially, because yep. the at that point you're going to have the maximum forgiveness on on form and you know your shot sequence because the the arrow is naturally coming out as clean as possible, which means that your veins have no work to do. And so now, if if you do have some little hiccup, it's not 
having to correct the initial error and then compound that with whatever else happened. Right. Right. Um, but that's, I know like talking about bear shaft and, and veins, that's where like a lot of guys and I guess guys out West should focus on this more just because there's higher chance of odd wins. Um, yep. But so that's, Garrett's talked about before. Yeah. And that's where, you know, don't be afraid of, I mean, part of your tuning process is your veins. Um, that's if, I mean, if you know that you're going to be hunting in high wind situations, then you should be tuning and checking your tune in high wind situations. Because yep. if you really got to watch that wind drift out here. Yeah. And that's, I mean, if, if you're someone that's running, you know, five inch feathers and you're running high front of center, yeah, you're going to have some flight problems with a crosswind, right? That light yeah. tail is just going to push. The point's going to stay on target, but you're not going to be in line and it's going to hurt your penetration. I mean, flight's number two for a reason. Mm-hmm. And yep. so that's where, I mean, and Ashby talked about this in his papers, you know, where, you know, they would, when they tuned a shaft, part of that process was trimming the veins and shooting in different wind conditions and different wind directions and yeah. verifying that you had clean flight in, you know, any of the situations that you're expecting. I think that's so, what bothers me. Oh, so, sorry, Blaine. I think that's what bothers me when people start to like, you know, piss on the high FOC or whatever and or fixed broadheads is that like those guys think that they can take their low FOC arrow, slap on a fixed blade, use the same blazers that they were shooting with their mechanicals before and everything's going to be kosher. It's like, well, no, you didn't account for the extra wind resistance on the front of the arrow. So it's not going to fly the same. Yeah. And that's, there's nothing inherently wrong with blazers. I mean, no, but like it depends on the situation. Right. right. If, if it you've doesn't got... correct, if it doesn't keep your arrow flying, like if it doesn't keep yeah. your arrow flight good for the broadhead that you chose to use them with, it doesn't, that's not what you should be shooting. Yeah. And that's where, I mean, for me, arrows are a system. It's all got to complement yeah. each other. So mm-hmm. depending on what your speeds are, depending on how big the broadhead is, depending on what your front of center is, depending on, you know, all these little things can alter how it all needs to come together, right? I yep. mean, if if you're running a super big fixed blade and you have low front of center, you're going to need some big veins. Yep, that, a lot that's, of correction. You, you, ha- you have to equal out the leverage because that, that's essentially what you're looking at. You got your center, you know, your pivot point, your center of gravity. That's where the shaft is moving around, and you've got wings up front and wings in the back. If you have say zero front of center, you are now looking at surface area. You have equal levers. Which one has more surface area? That's the one that's going to be in control. Yep. Right. So as you move that, that front of center, as you move the balance point, you're increasing the leverage that your veins have. And now you don't need that giant vein. Right. But yep. And that's where, 
you know, depending on what level you're going to, what situations you're hunting in, if you're hunting Midwest in cedar swamps and, you know, thick brush and timber, wind's probably not the biggest factor, right? right. I mean, unless you got a storm bearing down on you, you're probably not going to be seeing a ton of consistent wind. No. Now you go out west and you're working your way through a, a basin, you might be standing in no wind and then you shoot and 50, you know, 20 yards in front of you, there's a, you know, 15 mile an hour crosswind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to think about that, you know? And so yeah, that's yeah. where, you know, in, in completely static, stable, no wind situations, more veins aren't necessarily bad, but mm-hmm. if you got other factors at play, then you need to start trimming those down. And that's, I mean, for a testing application, you can literally just start trimming your veins down. Mm-hmm. And literally, yeah. li- literally, you can, you know, take take exacto, take a, a scissors, whatever, and, you know, try and make them even, but it's not hypercritical. And trim them and see what point you, you know, start losing consistency or at, at, you know, that would mean that you're getting too small, but you want to find that happy ground where you still have phenomenal flight, but you're not being affected by the wind. You know, it's, it's, it can be a process, but depending on what you're doing, you, you know, you go as far as you want to take it. Yep. And a lot of that, you know, like, like we, you previously mentioned uh, a lot of that has to do with the, uh, the profile of the broadhead that you're shooting. If you're shooting a double XL silver flame, you're, you're going to need more fletching and or feather on the back end to, to correct that thing, especially, especially in a high wind situation. And if you know, you're going to be hunting somewhere that's super high wind, you may want to consider if you even want to shoot a broadhead, that that's that is that big you could probably figure it out but it's it's not so much the broadhead that becomes the issue it's the additional fletching that you're going to need to correct it that might end up being an issue so you know if you're if you're a western hunter at you know your more traditional uh three to one uh mechanical advantage style heads might make the most sense for you and i mean frankly those animals are so big out there that you probably want you know as much penetration in your favor anyway, and you want a high mechanical head, but, uh, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot to say about, uh, pairing quote unquote, your, your fletching with your, with your broadhead and making sure it's the correct, uh, the correct, uh, match for, for your hunting application, uh, and, and where you're going to be hunting. So, um, um, one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is, uh as well i guess all three of you guys still shoot a compound so but from a trad perspective i should i should have recurved i know recurved too blaine and 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 i know rob's, rob's taking out his long bow to yeah we all okay. have trad Get all bows. uppity no. on us now yeah. all right so anyway <laughs> longer than you've been alive by default yes <laughs> uh all right dawn <laughs> but no so i've been thinking a lot about uh wet weather and feathers yeah and feather Dude, that's something i like with i i was 
uh, sorry to interrupt, but mm-hmm. on this on this co- uh, compound build, I yeah. was going to do feathers. Yeah. And then I started looking at the uh, at the weather for this weekend, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's not going to work. Right. Uh, and I mean, they're calling for blizzard slash like snowstorm or, or yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, tornadoes. Like they don't even, they don't know what the hell is going to happen down here in Missouri. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's that's definitely something to consider. But it makes me want that freaking. A and A vein that A A E veins look very yeah, promising. Yeah, A A E. Yeah, those yep, A E ones that Aaron's veins. been has been looking at. Those things look. I mean, yep. that that sounds like a godsend. I know uh, it. Yeah, plastic vein that actually flexes like mm-hmm. crazy, so you can shoot yep. it off the shelf. But I'm so, like, to I mean, know I if that thing will work on a compound too, because I'm sure they're super light. I'm assuming they're, they're they are pretty light. Flexible. Yeah. Anyway, um, continue. Because, yeah, I mean, I do have a fletching cover. I actually had, if you guys need a fletching cover, I mean, there's this little company called Native Textiles. Mm-hmm. The guy used, actually used to uh, work at Kafaru, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they are amazing. He'll do custom duffel bags and all sorts of crap. But good night living. That thing is sweet. Um, I, that, that's, I'm going to definitely use that a lot this spring turkey hunting because it's supposed to be rainy and nasty. So that's one thing, though. Because I'm shooting, I really like these little two-inch razors or yeah. something like that, you know, on my on my skinny arrows out of my trad bow. Yeah. They fly really well in the wind, and I've never had an issue with them yet. And, uh, and I like how they look. And uh, so, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe I won't be as affected by rain because they're smaller, but yet at the same time, they won't have as much control. Well, and if you it, get wet, it's like I don't know. It depends. I mean, you got there's a couple of different ways that you can can waterproof them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but and that's I guess I haven't tested this myself, but I know a lot of the stuff that I've looked at as far as um, how much water affects the yeah. flight, right? Yeah. And as long as they're not matted down, not flat, right? I mean, so mm-hmm. they're not drowned. They're you know wet, but not completely yes. soaked. Um, and, at launch, the majority of that water gets shed. Yes. Yeah. And yep, so, like agreed. having a cover even on veins. Yeah, even on veins. And it's so like, like you said, like having a cover. I mean, mm-hmm. that's gonna give you a nice advantage for when you're moving mm-hmm. and you know when you're at least for me when i'm when i'm you know walking stalking i'm moving through yeah. a lot of heavy brush you know yeah, tall grass definitely. and especially you know if it's raining or it rained the night before or it's just super dewy mm-hmm. it's wet <laughs> yeah. you know and yeah. so yeah. just moving and if you have that covered, you're taking out a lot of that, right? Yeah, definitely. And so then you have your one arrow out, and mm-hmm. if if you notice that that one's getting damped down, yep. swap it out, shake it off, grab a different one, right? Yep, exactly. But, I mean, I ran razors on my compound for a while, um, mm-hmm. and the only issue I had was remembering that I needed to take everything back out of the case um, or when I took it out of the case, not to have it leaning against anything. 
Because then you end up having to steam flat. them. <laughs> yep, exactly. I did that yep. a couple of times, and I'd go and oh, grab yeah. my ear, and I'm like, ah, oh, damn. Yep. <laughs> Two of them are flat. Yep. yep. Um, one thing, though, I've been thinking about along those lines is technically if my bear shaft tune is perfect yep how is that how is that gonna affect i've actually done that can i shoot a broadhead bear shaft you know what's what's the effect a broadhead is gonna have on a that you know if my feathers do get wet um yeah that's that's my thought i i can say that uh i have shot broadheads bear shaft Mm -hmm. um i have not tried it below 30 percent front of center same here. Um, <laughs> so I mean, I've <laughs> and that's, I, I shot a double XL, forty yards, bear shaft, mm-hmm. and it flew great. Right. But I guess I have no idea at what point that would be an issue. Most guys aren't aren't anywhere near thirty percent. No. And right. So, I mean. I am not gonna make any recommendation <laughs> as to no. what percentage that might be safe because that's if if that broadhead is I and mean, one if things aren't tuned properly, you're gonna have problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's uh, I would not say that it's recommended, but no, even. Even if your feathers are are damped down, you know they're flattened. Mm-hmm. You still have many. You fans. still have feathers. You know there. it's yeah. still you know an eighth inch of mm-hmm. of material that is still creating somewhat of a rudder. So it's not right. a true bear shaft. Right. No, and right, right. So, I mean, I've I had that. I think two years ago, I was using razors and um i had sat through one of those mornings where it was like i knew it was going to rain and ended up just pouring and then i i took a shot like an hour after and didn't realize it at the time wasn't thinking about it um but uh yeah those were Definitely not uh, in their normal shape when I shot. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, it yeah. worked out fine. But that's I I take a lot of time for my tuning and my setup, and and I focus on my form. And so I mean, I'm covering a lot of those bases. Where yeah, if you're not, then yeah, you're probably gonna have issues. Yeah. And I guess my thought is, if I have perfect bear shaft flight. Even if my feathers do get matted down, I'm still going to be okay out to my, you know, in the rain. Okay, say it's, say it's pouring down rain. I'm probably not going to want to, probably not going to feel comfortable shooting past 25, 30 yards with my stick bow anyway. You know, just because there's always factors. And yeah. just probably, you know, just in the back of my head with wet feathers, I'd be thinking, you know, okay. I don't want to shoot this far anyway. So, I mean, realistically, if your bear shaft tune is spot on, your form is any kind of consistent, you know, relatively perfectly consistent, you know, I mean, as close as consistent as you can get um, in a hunting situation, I think a guy would be fine. 
Yeah. That's yeah, I mean, yeah, as I long as they're not so. just soaked. Yeah. And that's, know. I mean, it's always something you could test. Yeah. Yeah. yeah D- for dunk sure. them in some Actually, water and take some shots. Say, you know, that's, yeah. I, 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 I would I, always recommend if you have a scenario in your head that you're questioning, yep. test it. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the harm in testing it? <laughs> why, exactly why wait right. until, you know. until you're on the spot <clears throat> and now it's in your head as to, is this going to work right now? that's mm-hmm. the last thing you want in your in your head that's right. when you're lining up for that shot you want nothing on your mind except for that spot yeah and exactly any i mean and that's kind of circles back to what I was talking about at the beginning is if you're drawing back and you're worried about you know not getting too close to the shoulder blade, not, not, you know, where, you know, I want to aim near the heart, but that's close to this and close to that. And if you're worried about your veins, you're worried about your flight, you're not thinking yeah. about the shot. Yeah. Your confidence is gone. Well, and it's just your, your mind can only focus on truly one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. And so all those little things going through your head mean that you're not thinking about your form. You're not mm-hmm. thinking about your your true shot placement. Where's your focus? Right. And that leads to problems. I mean, what 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 happens like if you're on a 3E course and there's a tree that's, you know, you got to shoot past or there's a mm-hmm. tree next to the to the, you know, the 12 ring or the 10 ring. And you're going, don't hit the tree, don't hit the tree. What happens? You're probably <laughs> gonna smoke the tree. You're gonna smoke yeah. that tree because you're thinking it. You're 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 looking yeah. at the tree. <laughs> that's where your focus you know, is. And and yep. that's no different with your equipment, with anything. Have confidence in your equipment. And if there's an area that you're questioning, test it. Answer the question. If it's a problem, fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's as simple as it can get. Right. Yeah. Makes I'll sense. Come, I'll have to come down to your shop one of these days, Rob. I know I was going to meet up with Isaac, too. So Yeah, and that's we'll you know, not too far. Um, no, no, it's it's a few hours. Yeah, like five five hours? Can, yeah, four, so, four. Four, four and a half. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's not too bad. But, uh, yeah, otherwise, I mean... There's a always middle ground. I'm sure we'll. Right. I'm sure we'll figure yep. something out here. I know I'm. Right. I'm doing uh, going to Iowa with Isaac this summer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's I. I try and get around. That's like we got a group of guys that always do the Toral Archery Challenge in Michigan. That's a six and a half yeah. hour drive for me. But right, yeah. offer is always up. If, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, that'd be if fun. anyone gets to my house, I'll, I'll carpool. I can fit five guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, that'd be sweet. It's, uh, I did it once. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I'm kicking myself for not going on that trip. Jeez. Hey, that would have been a blast. You should have. I know. It'll be fun. It's a good time. But, uh, yep. yeah, no, definitely always, always up for, you know, meeting up or doing something. That's, it's mm-hmm. always fun getting to shoot and just mess around definitely yeah. well i uh, uh i don't know if we've 
like officially well we alluded to this at the very beginning like episode one uh i don't know if we've actually said anything during this episode but uh for all the listeners out there uh rob is going to be uh joining us as a uh as a routine uh co-host and he's gonna be hanging out with us obviously rob has a has a lot of uh experience and knowledge to offer and uh uh, we're really excited to to have him join us he's uh uh uh, smart dude. Uh, he's, he's helped a, a, helped a lot of <laughs> helped a lot of guys uh, get set up. So we're we're pretty uh, we're we're pumped to to have you, Rob. And uh, I know I know there's you know we we get questions pr- pretty well fairly frequently. And uh, I know when we start talking about more of these questions on there, you just you have a really good way of of speaking to those questions. So I'm I'm excited for listeners to be able to to listen to you and for our, uh, for our guests to be able to chat with you. So thanks yeah, for, appreciate, thanks for uh, being here. Appreciate you guys throwing out the offer and yeah, looking forward uh, to being on uh, as much as I can. And, you know, yeah, you're a busy on, guy, you're busy guy. <laughs> speaking on, uh, I guess the topics that, that I'm uh, consider myself uh, knowledgeable on. Um, Yep. That's, I have, you know, my, my areas of expertise that I've, I've put some time into. There's always something to learn, but, uh, yep. yeah, always glad to help. And that's, I mean, that's why I started Dynamic Archery Solutions is I wanted to have an outlet for, you know, actually helping guys improve their setups and, and, figuring out a path forward you know it's i'm yeah very much a proponent of improvement it's there there is no set in stone you have to do this or that it's you know if if i can get a guy even you know hey keep your same broadhead keep your you know near the same weight if we can let let's get you into you know higher front of center let, let's one step, right? It, and if you want to go big, hey, let's go big. I mean, I have no issue doing that. But yep. it's every improvement is an improvement, and it's it's a cascade. You know, you, you see a little bit, and either you're going to be satisfied or you're going to get curious. And yep. that's... I mean, I am by no means uh, quitting my day job <laughs> anytime <laughs> soon. But that's, I I mean, you can ask around. Guys will tell you straight out that, like, if you want to shoot, you know, something that I don't offer, I'll still answer your questions. Like, hit me up if you're if you're trying to figure something out and, you know, you want this shaft, but... I don't offer it. I'll still answer questions. And that's, I mean, I carry what I carry because of my experience and, and, right. you know, partially because of certain, uh, technicalities on the backside with, you know, some companies not really doing dealer programs and stuff like that. But yeah, if, yeah. I mean, there's a ton of good options out there and, I'm not going to limit somebody's 
you know, improved success in the field because of that. It's, right. you know, if, if you want to run cutthroats, Hey, they're a great head. If you want to, you know, VPA Valkyrie, whoever, right. If we focus yeah. on the factors that will lead to your improvement, the rest falls in place. It's a matter of making sure that everything lines up, right? Yep, absolutely. Well, uh, we, we've been been chatting for a minute now. Uh, where uh, um, it's not like you're going anywhere, but where can uh, where can people check your check your stuff out at? I know I know you're on Facebook, yep. and I know you've got a website. Do you do you have an Instagram or no? No, that's uh, I have not branched into. Yeah, Instagram it's kind of not as business related. And, well, as and it's just one of those. So. Um, I guess I have a day job that I work close to, well, typically close to like fifty hours a week, and then I do this in the evenings, and I got my family, and I like to hunt and fish myself. So hey, there you I, go. I need to have some time, <laughs> and uh, yep. so yeah, Facebook. Um, that's I mean a. The majority of it, people are just reaching out to me directly. Uh, just Robert Hummel, um, and I have our business page, Dynamic Archery Solutions, um, and then the website's the same as dynamicarcherysolutions.com. Um, and so all the options are out there. The twelve factors are out there. I'm working on getting tuning documents out there, and you know all that kind of stuff. So there's slowly but surely it's it's growing and uh, you know getting yep. more more information and more accessibility, but uh, yeah, either reach out to me directly or you know shoot a message to the Facebook or shoot you know uh, hit up the the help section on the website if uh, if you have questions about arrow builds, I've got uh, arrow build assistance form that you can fill out right on there. You know, let me know you know, what your bow specs are, all that kind of fun stuff. And then, you know, what are you looking for? What kind of animals are you hunting? And then we can just kind of take the conversation from there. Yep. I know you got a, and you, well, we both worked on it, but you were very instrumental in, uh, uh, with something that our, our buddy Neil is going to be, uh, revealing here pretty soon. I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I think uh, so. pretty, pretty excited about that. So, uh, I know and I'm hoping that'll be on your, on your website and stuff there so yeah uh, that's big big things big things coming big things really big things coming that stuff that's been in the works for what th- two and a half three years oh, now geez. well i mean probably yeah, longer than that but i mean probably longer since than we that, worked on I it's think, at least been yeah i think we initially started working on that it had to be two years ago yeah it, it, i think so it, it's been a been a minute yeah it's been a while but excited to see all that start to come to fruition i'm pretty sure it's happening pretty soon we need to we need to get neil on so uh there's some some cool stuff that's about to about to drop for our community i'm really really pumped about that so um anything else guys i know we've we've chatted for a minute i know we covered a lot of topics uh is there anything anything worth worth noting or anything like that oh is any any other questions for me being the newbie (laughs) <laughs> i'm sure we'll have i'm sure we'll oh, have more plenty, questions but... for you 
It'd be like another four hours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Let you get back to your family. Yeah. Yeah. No joke. I'm sure your, your wife will appreciate us letting you go. So cool. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in again and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, stay lethal. 